Yes, we're here on a Friday night, obviously, April the 16th. Thank you for joining us and uh, a little bit of more subdued today just with a heavy heart for uh, the Darren McCarty Show and the Enforcers Show for our co-host and partner in crime, Sean Belegian, for any of you out there in WJR land that don't know that Sean lost his dad this past week. And uh, he's here tonight with us because that's the way he's soldiered on. And I know, Sean, the way that you were raised and your dad's just like my dad who passed away 20, coming on 22 years ago, he'd be saying, get out there, talk your sports, do your thing. Um, that's what you were made to do. So with the heaviest heart and the deepest condolences from Eric and Aaron's in here too, and Brandon and Jason and everybody, um, hope you're doing all right. And, um, you know, it's, it's always great to, to join, join you, but just like anything else, this is the things that suck in life buddy but uh, yeah no i appreciate it mac that's in you, you sent a wonderful note yesterday and i heard from so many of uh my co-workers at a couple different places that you work and everything and um y- you know like you said you you think you're ready for it you think you're prepared for it and um uh, cancer has has at least allowed us the opportunity to say goodbye as wretched as a disease it is but you're never ready for it when he passes and uh you are absolutely right. I, I told my mom yesterday, I, I said, I can hear dad say, what the hell are you doing? Get to work. Like, I, I can right. hear it in my head. So I, uh, you know, I, yesterday I, I, I spent the day with my mom and uh, we, we laughed, we cried. We, we had to take care of things that you have to take care of when uh, somebody passes. And today, you know what? It was back to work. But I, I appreciate you saying that, and thanks for taking the time, Mac. I, I really appreciate that. Well, you know, you know, Sean, it's it's the whole thing about everybody, and it's not just the fact that uh, we're on the airwaves and we're talking about it, but it happens to all of us, and I think that even through this COVID year, everybody's got that story of losing somebody. So, unfortunately, uh, the good, the bad, we're all in it together and uh, can't uh, can't be happier that, that you're here tonight in, in his honor. And like I told you, it'll get easier just because you figure out how to place it. For me, you know, 20-some years later, where now it's almost a joke, but it's, it's I just, like I told you, I go, well, you know, like in, Dar- in Star Wars when, like, Obi-Wan gives himself up to Darth Vader and then he's, like, more powerful than Luke? Well, that's pretty much, to me, what people... <laughs> especially close to us. And, and I implore because you sent out a tweet the other night that said, tell you, you know, people that if you love them, that you love them. And I yeah. think that what you said was the grace of God that you wouldn't put on anybody um, with cancer, but you got to say goodbyes. And there, so I understand that too. So um, I saw that tweet and immediately did it immediately called, called my old thank man you. Just, just to say, just to say, hey, real quick, I mean, I, I do it as often as I can, but seeing that's just a reminder. Well, Sean, and really that's is. it, because life Thank gets you. busy. Thank you. Life gets busy, yep. and it's just sometimes we all get hit with different things, and it's just we're, we're all in this together. Now, I'm going to switch gears because I'm going to stay here culturally, but oh my gosh, what did my man Steve Eisman just accomplish, Sean, with that oh. move? And, and if you watch my face um, it might be online somewhere. Uh, when I heard the news, because I was actually, uh, I was actually recording something, and my face dropped 
when when uh, Easy told me, he said, uh, Mantha's just been traded. And I, and I was like, what? And, I, and then I was like, what'd we get? Because I was the one that always said, I don't think he's going to move unless the too-good-to-be-true deal comes. Well, in my opinion, Sean, I've been around hockey for a while, that Jacob Verona, Richard Panic, a first and a second, to me, that, guys, that is a too-good-to-be-true deal. Is that what you thought when you first, like, what did you totally. think when you first heard it? Same thing. I, I, honestly, I, I said, huh? I mean, my, my gut reaction, Braun is a pretty darn good player, okay? And and he he's familiar with, with Richard Panic. You know, I mean, it, it, look, is, is he going to be here? Probably not. I mean, you know, who knows? I'm not going to jump into Steve's mind and everything. But, you know, th- this is a guy that I got a chance to see him in junior. He was uh, drafted by Steve, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, it was Steve's first draft, as a matter of fact. Mac, just a week ago, you and I sat here and we talked about Anthony Mantha. And, and you know, I, I was of the opinion that Anthony Mantha was a guy that needed a change of scenery. And I, I use that quote. And sometimes it happens. Uh, you know, sometimes a, a guy just has to go someplace else. And, you know, he, he's a guy that you, you look at it the last couple of games – uh, you know, he's been able to score. That does not surprise me in in the least bit. I mean, not in the least bit because he was the type of guy, Mac, where, you know, a, again, I, I think he was somebody that needed to um, have a facilitator, somebody to get him to the puck. And I don't think it's any coincidence that he's playing with Backstrom and Backstrom can feed him the puck. It just wasn't the right mix here. But to get Verona and get those picks – are you kidding me? This is how you change the direction of a franchise. It, you, you really do, and Steve's been patient. He told everybody he's going to be patient. He hasn't been here two years yet, but this is a move that sets his franchise in the right direction moving forward. Well, it really does, and then you look down, and, and if like, what do we say, Sean, you and I both? Listen to Steve Eiserman when he talks because yep. he will tell you Right. First thing he comes out of the press conference and say, well, yeah, we've done a good job in accumulating draft picks and early round, you know, draft pick first three rounds, like 20 to whatever it is. But we still need to do our work and pick the right guys. Right. If you want to see because you're looking for if it's Hansel and Gretel, you're looking for the trail. Well, the trail is the fact that he was able to make the move. And I, what I love about the move, it's beneficial to both teams. Washington, Ovi doesn't have that much time left. Right. Backstrom isn't in his first few years, so they're going for the cup and they got a lot of road to hoe, you know, going through Tampa Bay and all this different things. Does Anthony Mantha get them closer? Yes. He's a sniper guy sort of along what we did adding Brendan Shanahan and you get a facilitator that that helps him. It only benefits you now in the reverse. It's time for things to go. But. I can even go better than this because you look at what Steve Eisman did last year. You look at over the cross over in Europe and you look at Mo Sider and, and rave reviews about what he's doing. You look at in the transactions today, right? Lucas uh, Raymond, the first round picks just signed an entry level deal. You know, so there are things happening. What's happening with this team now having a three game winning streak, which that's sort of out of the, uh, out of the out of the norm and, and just off the top of my head, look at the Tigers. They swept in. So the guys are buying in and working. And the, the, the two things, the caveats, right? When I saw Mantha score the other day and I see how excited his new teammates were for him, was the same way when Varan out of the box yesterday, scored on the breakaway. And 
you know, was I see Glenn Denning and Larkin, all these guys hooting and hollering and stuff, and that's what you want. And uh, guys, did you know that um, Jacob Verana um, already has a Stanley Cup at his young age? So that's unbelievable work by Steve Eiserman, and it gets us the progress. I know later on in the show we're going to be talking to our buddy Scott Bischoff. Um, who's going to break down, like nobody can break it down like Sean and Scott as far as the draft talk goes as we're coming two weeks away. Uh, but when we come back here on the Darren McCarty Show, we are going to hit on those Detroit Tigers. And what a job and how it must feel for A.J. Hinch to go in and sweep the Houston Astros. You're listening to the Darren McCarty Show here on AM 760 WJR. Super, super duper stoked as always to be here with you guys on a Friday night. This one happens to be April 16th. Now, I know I was going to get into some Tiger talk and stuff like that, but I got to get to the phone. I got a couple calls here, Sean. First one from Mr. Selfish, uh, Eric Dorch, but it was actually a good question and he was not being selfish. So I'm going to allow him to ask the first question tonight. Hi, Eric. How are you? I'm doing great. I, I'm turning over a new leaf here, trying not to be selfish, but... Uh, while you guys were talking about it, 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 it's an interesting question that as soon as I heard about the trade, it was the first thing I thought of. And obviously, Darren, you played in the NHL. You've seen some some teammates of a longer period move on and go elsewhere and all that. And it got me thinking, what does that do to a locker room? I mean, Mantha, I'm not saying Mantha was the star guy, but he was a, a key player. He'd been there for a while. He had been through the tough times. And Larkin, Bertuzzi, all those, they had formed a little bit of a bond. And now he's gone. And I, I'm just curious, what, what does that do for a locker room in adjustment? Who needs to step up? And for these younger guys, can it be forced, or does it naturally have to happen? Is no, there going to be a little bit of a, a gap there for a while? You know what, Eric? Absolutely great question. Great question. Um, Aaron, way to feed him that question. That, that's uh, Eric's wife who fed him the question. Um, but, uh, no, the fa- here's the thing, right? And what you know is that these guys, yes, they, they're tight, whether, you know, I saw Dylan's uh, – response to Anthony, they're, they're best buddies, all those guys, tick as thieves, you know, golfing together, hanging out together, stuff like this. But it comes to a point that just personally and professionally, if it's not going to work, then you hope your buddy goes to a, a spot where he can win and will be, will benefit. It's a big difference when it's like the locker room's looking at it as a win-win, right? You don't want to lose your buddy. You don't want to lose that player and stuff. But if that – it's something like Sean has said, where he needs a change of scenery, then you're mature enough to know that, right? You look at this group, right? And this is more of the time where it was not only was the deal, the proper deal uh, to make, but also the maturity in the dressing room and the leadership where the, where the Larkins and the Bertuzzi's and the Heronics and some of these guys have been able to step up more now. It's as different guys come in. You look at t- today. I read uh, Jeff Blaschel talking about Philip Zadina, about his compete level, and he hates to lose and stuff like this. Now, th- a guy like him is still learning how to do it, but the fact that his willingness to compete, you can work with that. So different guys get an opportunity to step up. I'm going to ask you, Sean, uh, go over to you. But I believe, and I never, I didn't look at it this way, but the guy who can benefit the most out of this Mantha move we're seeing is, is Michael Rasmussen. And I think that the minutes and the size and stuff like this is that I might have been thinking it was Anthony Mantha that's going to be that guy. It might just be Michael Rasmussen because if anybody, uh, I guess, has stepped up or has continued to progress 
uh, faster, I guess, than I, than I thought it might be him. And I know he's got, it's not about goals. It's about being effective and skating. And, you know, you get an empty net goal when you're on the ice because you're trusted at the end of the game. That's why. So what do you see out of Rasmussen? Do you think that? No, that's a, that's a great point. Mac, here, here's a guy. He's he's not even 22 yet. He turns 22 tomorrow. And, and you know, sometimes it takes guys a little bit longer. That's the way it is. You know, now there's two ways to look at that. It, you, you can sit back and say, well, this was a guy that was taken ninth overall. He's never going to be that type of player. Okay, sure, fine. For the sake of my argument, I'm going to say, okay, fine. He's never going to be a, 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 a top 10 NHL draft pick. That doesn't mean that he can't be a part, and that's what the league is today. In a cost-certainty era, it's about having those parts. It's about filling those parts. And, Mac, that's one thing about hockey. If Maybe they tighten the screws a little bit in a cost-certainty era, but make no mistake about it. Your era was that way, too. You had to have a grind line. You had to have a Shanahan. You had to have an Osgood, a Hoshik, and, and, and that's one thing that's unchanging about the game. So, you know, this is a, a, a fresh opportunity for a guy that is still, we sit here today, plus 21 years old. And so this is part of the process. When Steve Eisenman talks about let's be patient, this is going to take some time. You know what? You want to give these guys every opportunity in the world to show that they can be a piece of the puzzle. Well, it also goes to show, in my opinion, too, is that, like you said, listen to Stevie, but they have this sort of plan played out. Now, I don't know if, like, the Mantha, it, uh, which way the phone calls went and stuff like this, but the fact is that not only are you under the salary cap and able to move different players through that, but you don't have to worry, like, some teams that you can't sign guys, you know, it, if I was going to, I'll give you the Coles notes, but that's what happened when they did the deal for Brian Lashoff, which they end up getting a fourth rounder, circumventing the money from David Savard through down to Tampa Bay. You know, it's it's way above my pay grade, but it makes sense as far as how they circumvent stuff. So it gives me confidence that the guys in the front office, not only the Steve Eisenmans, but the Ryan Martins and the, the capologists and stuff, that's so important too, but it gives you direction. You look at all the young guys coming up, and you look at their ages. You look at how you downgraded to Verona three years from Mantha, yeah. right? So, um, and I I got to step back a little bit because, you know what, I came into the wings at 21 and didn't win until I was 25. So if this is the process of Erasmussen and I say to people out there, would you take it if I say in four years – you know, we're going to win. Well, that's right along, the, right along the timeline as what Steve Eisenman has given you. Selfishly, I would do it. Yeah, I would. I would. Well, you, everything you do. Selfish. No, but I like I like this. Out. I like this trade. <laughs> I like this trade for that reason of this is a team that they are not like they're, they're not right there right now. They're still a little bit of ways. So this is the time to do it. If you don't see Mantha as the final or as a piece of the future, you capitalize on it, you get what you can for them, and they got a very nice haul, as we've said, but I like it for that. It's not like this team was a year away. They're still a couple years away, and they, they're putting themselves in good positions to get as much young talent to assess for the future. Absolutely, absolutely, and, and it makes it so much more imperative where you look at, they obviously like these next few years drafts and players coming up and done the homework, which goes down to most important person at uh, draft is Chris Draper, the director of uh, amateur scouting. So, yeah, we're in good shape. You know, sitting here this week at the 
right? We all feel good about the Red Wings and stuff. I haven't heard anybody this week bitch about Blasio as a coach. You know, I can or, or if you want like me that. to. I, if you want me to, I can try. No, 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 no. I, I'm but with I, you. But that just goes to show you that that things are coming into play. And the best part that I hear is that guys from the beginning of the year to now are getting better, and they see it and they show it. So, would you say they're being positive? They are being positive, oh, and you know what, Sean? Segway. You know what? Segway to a Friday night wouldn't be a Friday with the Darren McCarty. And Forrester's show without my boy, Greg from Shelby. What's up, Greg? Warriors, don't look to the heavens. They are looking to you. The moment is now. So what will you do? Hit me. Your positives in the house. Hey, Dorchie, great question. Shawnee B, sorry for your loss. My man, very, very sorry. Um... Really reflect. I lost my dad a couple of years ago, and like DMAC, and everyone's going to go through it. And you will just, you will cry just in various parts, but remember the good things. Remember all the positive things that he said to you. And um, that's what I do. And at this moment, I could start crying. But uh, again, sorry for your loss. DMAC, thank you very, very much. And you guys have a great night. Hey, Greg, what do you think about this trade Thanks, for Manther? You're not. Oh mad, my God! You? You're not mad. I know, like no, no, I'm not mad at all because Stevie knows what he's doing and um, great people. But Dorchie's comment was uh, spot on because you know Larkin, you develop a relationship. Now he has to maneuver and go. How are we going to make these guys work with me and vice versa? So, but I'm all. I think it's all good. I really do. And I like your excitement, D-Mac. I love it, kid. I love it. But thank, thank you, you as always. And you know what? Um, I know that Sean uh, appreciated that, and, and we all do, um, as we do every other Friday night. Um, I know we're going to talk some football at the break, but what do you think? What Pretty big deal for the Tigers to go into Houston and sweep them, right? Oh, it was great. Yeah, And, and you know what? I The things that, that I like about this team is, you know, you bring in a guy like Wilson Ramos, and, and I know what a catcher guy you are, and he's oh, getting yeah. it done. And, you know, you take a chance on, on, on a guy like Yabba Dabba Doo, and yeah. I, it's it's fun to watch. Are they going to win a lot of baseball games? Probably not. But you know what? Don't tell these guys that. And that, that I, I think that's the fun thing about what's going on right now with the Tigers. And one of the things, too, Sean, how, how – satisfactory or did you like Michael Fulmer the other night just to come back through all the troubles of Tommy John pitching and to be able to come out and um, I, I watched his interview yesterday with Double D and uh, it, the, the appreciation is what you see and you and when you look at that team and you see it's the same thing as I say it comes from the top from the culture but AJ Hinch really has these guys believing in themselves and working hard or at least having fun together so doesn't equate to wins or losses, but it equates to getting down there and cheering this team on because they're going to try to do it and do it the right way. Um, we're going to take a break here, but when we come back, a friend of the show, yes, Mr. Scott uh, Bishop will join us. We're going to talk NFL draft as it's almost little less, uh, one day less than two weeks away. I got some uh, NFL over-unders I want to throw out there to you guys. You want to give us a call, 800 859 
0WJR 800-859-0957. This is the Enforcer Show. I am Darren McCarty. This is a Friday night, and we are on WJR. Before we get to our guest on the line, Sean, I got a question for you because Dorch uh, was wondering in the start, start, what? Start, save. Start, start, bench, cut. Start, bench, cut. Jack Morris, uh, Verlander, Scherzer. Um, he asked me, and I said, Jack Morris, I would start. And he said, really? And I said, you don't know Jack. I said Verlander, and then you said, said, hey, I don't know Jack. you don't know Jack. Jack Morris, back in the day, you could argue over the other two, but, you know, 84 Tigers, and, and you got to think the mentality of back then, too. It's a little bit yep. I was four years away from being born, so I'm, I'm, I don't really understand that mentality. You know what? One you, know, you know what, Dorch? Go, go back and look up his start in the 91 World Series. Oh. I mean, that, 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 that's why I go Jack Morris. Okay. I just right. give, me, give me the darn ball. And that's older, I, Jack, I'm going to pitch you to a win. It's just absolutely – Epic, something that you just you you won't see that anymore today. It's uh yeah, I'll, I'm with you. I'll go with Jack now. But he said that uh, Dmax said Verlander might be out altogether. He'll keep Scherzer. Do you keep Scherzer over Verlander though? Yes, see? I, I really would. See, that's, see, okay, but that's right. above that's above the rim knowledge. Speaking above the rim knowledge, Sean, <laughs> would you do the distinct pleasure of introducing our friend, Mr. Bischoff? Yes, uh, we've been fortunate enough to do a lot of stuff with this guy uh, over the years here on 760 WJR and in other places as well. Uh, does a fantastic job, uh, writer for football guys, uh, does a draft show. He's done stuff for Lions Wire. Uh, all those acronyms uh, that mean football writers in, in the United States of America, but most importantly, he's a good buddy, uh, Scott Bischoff. Kindly joining us here on 760 WJR. Oh, What's the up, crowd's my going nuts. The crowd's going nuts in here. Hey, keep those people out. What's that up, is Scott? a fake crowd. <laughs> That's garbage. Wait, that was WWE pumped in noise, allegedly? Yeah. Nice. It was, a it was a crowd of two. That's what it was. A crowd a of enthusiastic two. Enthusiastic crowd of two. Well, I'm with you guys with uh, sitting Verlander. I think he has to go to the bench. Uh, see? That's some three veteran, you know. You He's go. sitting, not cutting. Go. He's what? sitting. You guys are talking about cutting Verlander. I'm saying sit Verlander, cut Scherzer. No. I'll still hang on to Max. Seriously, I'll still hang on to Max. Eric Dortz just selfishly <laughs> switched your words around, Mr. Bischoff, that I would I not know. do, and the three of us are on the same page. Selfish is by himself. Let's switch to football, though. <laughs> we got two weeks less a day until the draft, one of the most exciting times uh, everywhere else but here in the past, except for this year, us as Lions fans, what, coming down here, you've probably done what? Uh, Scott Bischoff, 27.0 draft with trades and back plays and kids who are going to, you know, come in later on. But do you have, do you think, <laughs> yeah, do you have it locked down? Do you think what's what's going to happen at seven for the Detroit Lions? Absolutely not. I love it. <laughs> no. <laughs> But that's no, brilliant. Uh, well, I'm, I don't want to set myself up as, you know, I, I got all the answers. No, it's, this is going to be a very interesting draft uh, starting at pick four. I mean, potentially at pick three, but I don't, you know, the 49ers moved up for a reason. They know who, they know who they're taking. It's just what happens with Atlanta? Is there, a, is there a team that wants to come up to Atlanta and pick four for a quarterback or maybe a player like Kyle Pitts? Um, I would look at maybe Dallas in that scenario. As a team that might want to move up for a player like uh, Kyle Pitts, 
you know, um, but that's, I think that's where the draft starts is pick four. And, and then it's just a matter of who's on the board for the Lions at pick seven and what, you know, what positions are they looking to address. Now, I think logically you've got to think about Goff as a player that they really want to work. And as much as we want, you know, we, we think that he's just a bridge type of player, they really want him to work. And there's a couple of ways to go about, you know, making that happen. One of them is give him, him some, you know, give him a weapon, give him a receiver, a player that he's comfortable or he's going to get comfortable with and get the ball to. The other way is, is potentially drafting a tackle and kind of, you know, addressing the trenches inside there and, and making him more comfortable physically. So either way, you can, you could see how the Lions and their, and their offensive mindset would be, let's get Jared Goff going. And we want Jared Goff to work. And there's a couple ways to do that. So, you know, I mean, we could talk about some of the receiver, the, the receiver options at pick seven. We could talk some of the tackles that might be there. Um, you know, unfortunately, in this draft, there really isn't a defensive player that you'd be real comfortable thinking that, you know, there's value at pick seven. So I think defense comes maybe in more in the form of a trade down, but that's a hard thing to pull off. So I know that's a long way to go about uh, saying I don't have a clue, but that's kind of <laughs> where it is. No, Scott, it's interesting because, it, like, to me, there's a guy that's that's just staring at me for the the past couple of weeks, and you and I have not had a chance to talk about this. Things have, you know, been so hectic and everything. But, yeah. you know, Rashawn Slater is a guy that is just so intriguing to me. It's like, you know, I know you and I have joked in the past, if, if Penny Sewell is there, run up to the podium and call him, worry about it later. But Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern is a guy that is really intriguing. He's a guy that is definitely going to be a top 10 pick. And, boy, the more I look at the way this board might fall, Scott, the more I keep thinking to myself, maybe Slater's the guy? Potentially, I think he, you know, if we can read between the little bit of the lines on him, I think teams view him as, as a safer player than Sewell, or at least some teams do. I have heard that Cincinnati does have Slater over, uh, over Sewell on their board. Now, whether or not that comes to pass, I don't know. It, that, may be, uh, that may be a soft way of them explaining themselves into drafting Jamar Chase, which I, you can understand the, the chemistry that he and Joe Burrow had in 2019. But, sure. you know, the difference in, in play style and, and uh, you know, age and, and that kind of stuff between Sewell and, and Slater are uh, – it's interesting. I guess Sewell's more of a – he's a bigger player. Uh, we have to remember that. We have film of him as a 17-year-old for the first half of his, of his first year in college, 17 years old, starting in the, in the Pac-12, turned 18 and, you know, during his first season. And then we have film of him in 2019, his last year in college football. And in week one, he plays up against Auburn, right? And you know, Auburn's loaded on that defensive line. They had, they had Derek Brown go seventh overall. They had Marlon Davidson go in round two. And while it wasn't beautiful what he did, he did a very effective job of locking that, uh, you know, locking that Auburn defensive line down. Again, it wasn't beautiful, but we're talking about a guy who's a very physical player and, and a guy who, who made it very difficult for Auburn's defensive line to get to the quarterback. And, it, and the biggest things with him is he's 20 years old. He will be 20 years old at the start of the season. Rashawn Slater is currently 22. He's, you know, he's two years older. Penny Sewell's a bigger man. Uh, I think he's just as athletic. I think Slater's a little more technically proficient right now. But, you know, we have a 20-year-old player who, who should grow into this position. 
And to me, you know, that's a guy that you take and you flip him and you let him play right tackle. And, and you know, with Taylor Decker and Penny Sewell, I think you make Jared Goff very comfortable, at least on the edges of your offensive line. I can see that as, as the mentality there. Talking to Scott Bischoff, uh, spitting extreme knowledge as always on the NFL draft. Here's my question to you as a scout, Scott. How, yeah. like, we're talking about players, like you said, Penny Sewell, that has missed the year. The Jamar Chases, Michael Parsons, guys that sat out. Will this, you know, be a factor in when these guys get drafted? And could this be why some teams maybe miss or are scared to draft them? It was it's sort of a two-parter um, with that. And then the guys that I've named, like the Sewells, where you hear the rumors before the draft. Now he's he's a left tackle. He's working on being a right tackle to make him more valuable. And then you look at the, the 49ers, or um, you look at uh, Mac Jones and Justin Fields and Trey Lance, all these guys having second quarterback days. Does this play into... How does this play in, and, and importantly, how do the guys, are they going to suffer from sitting out? I think, I think there is an element of uh, uncertainty in this entire draft. Part of that uh, pushes the quarterbacks to go a little earlier because quarterbacks are risky picks anyway. They, you know, most quarterbacks that you draft early, or early don't pan out. You know, I mean, when you're looking at the opt-outs, you're looking at Penny Sewell, you're looking at, you know, Rashawn Slater, you're looking, like you mentioned, Micah Parsons and, and others, you know, there's an element of a leap of faith with, with what they've done for a year. So, you know, I mean, as far as the whole uh, Sewell working out at right tackle, that's all his agency putting out information just to make teams comfortable. They're, they're, I think that those guys, you know, his agents feeling a little bit of pressure from Rashawn Slater and, they have to respond to the to the concept of well, if we need you to play right tackle, are you comfortable doing that? And the answer should be. I mean, if it's a smart agent, the answer has to be yes, we're comfortable doing that, and we'd welcome it. So you know, I mean, I'm not sure that I read too much into him working out like that kind of stuff. But okay. um, you know, I do think that there is going to be more uncertainty with this draft. I think that's one of the things that the Lions did early on is is taking some of the picks down the road that they took where you would expect to have a little more a traditional type of off season and a full year of being able to get into a building. And Darren, you know, like, you know, I mean, when people were scouting you, it wasn't just about what you did on the ice. It was about, you know, talking to the locker room attendants and, and people that you, that you, you know, you had interactions with and scouts want to know how they treat you. Like how, when the guys, when this player is done with his towel, does he throw it on the floor and make you pick it up? Or does he put it in the, in the, you know, where it's supposed to go? How does he treat you? That kind of stuff. And, and this year was just not a, tradi- a traditional year for that kind of stuff. So there hasn't been the get-to-know-you period where that makes this entire thing uncertain. And, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, if, if it's all uncertain and, and, you know, you're taking a position where there's some sense of security and that security's out the window this year, you, might, you know, it's not that you're swinging for the fences, but – but you do need to be uh, maybe knowing that there's extra risk. I think teams – I think I mean, personally, I think that's why there's four quarterbacks being talked about in the top four is because, you know, it's a wild year anyway. I don't know if that makes sense, but, yeah, but there's, there is that element of there's just so much unknown behind a lot of these players. And, you know, uh, that's where the pro days come in. And, you know, um, I find it interesting, like uh, you mentioned, the second pro days for quarterbacks. Justin Fields has, has played a certain way his entire career. And that's out of the shotgun. His left foot has been forward, right? So 
Kyle Shanahan teaches his quarterbacks to have their right foot forward. Well, what did, what did Justin Fields look like in his pro day two days ago? His right foot was forward. So it's like he was tailoring that entire workout for, for Kyle Shanahan. So it's that mm. kind of stuff. You know, that kind of stuff is happening. So if he's trying to make Kyle Shanahan comfortable with what he is as a player, you know, that's, that's uh, you know, smart stuff from him as a player and, and their plan to try to get drafted as, as high as they can. So, you know, there's an element of that. So, uh, you know, we'll see Trey Lance do similar things. We're going to see him tailor his workout for the 49ers because they believe that they're in contention to be pick three. Kind of where it is. Crazy, crazy. Great stuff. Yeah, awesome. Great. So, hey, very quickly, Scott, we, we, we have just a short amount of time. I, I don't think Penny Sewell's going to be there. I don't think your guy, Kyle Pitts, is going to be there. Oh, if the Lions are man. looking at wide receiver, is it all about Jamar Chase? Is he the best? "Quote unquote wide receiver in this draft." I think he is for most teams. Um, I think he's your prototypical X receiver, your outside guy who's going to take on you know your primary uh, press coverage kind of thing. He'll he'll be he'll be the receiver who gets the number one corner for the other team. But I think there will be some teams who view Jalen Waddle as wide receiver one just because he's so explosive. So we just think about him like uh, you know the Jamar Chase plays a little bit like. He's got a little Steve Smith vibe to his game. He's real physical. Uh, there are times when his physicality hides how fast he really is. And then you look at uh, Jalen Waddell, and he's a little bit like Tyreek Hill, where you can see teams coveting what he does for an offense just by you know, being on the field and occupying defenders. And then you know, looking at it through the Lions lens, I think Waddell fits a little better with Goff than, than Jamar Chase does. But in, in any in any way you look at it, if I mean, if the Lions take Jamar Chase, it's a very good pick. It's a high upside pick, and it's you know, it's a smart pick. It's one that Lions fans should be really, really excited over. There you heard it. Do not be scared if the seventh pick is Jamar Chase. You heard it first from Scott Bishop. You can follow him on Twitter at Bishop underscore Scott. That is an S C H and Bishop. Don't go to spell check and misspell it like Eric does all the time. Anyway, Scott, thanks for uh thanks as Anytime, always. Look guys. forward to running into you uh thanks, next week and uh hey, absolutely I uh, can't wait for the draft. So you Yeah. I appreciate that. And and to your point, uh, everybody out there, um yeah, it's the little things, the due diligence behind the scenes. It's not just the athletic ability on. It's what kind of character these kids have off. So that's an important part. So thank you to Scott Bishop. We're going to take the final break. Before we come back, talk a little gorf, a little BBQ, a little bit what's going on this weekend. Thanks for joining us and Forster Show here, AM760, WJR. Thank you again for joining us here on this absolutely great night in the D. Um, shout out this weekend. I know there's a lot of different MMA and boxing going on. Uh, I'm not talking about the YouTuber fighting the Olympian. What I'm talking about is Detroit's own Tony Superbad Harrison fighting Brian yes. Perella. Live from L.A., broadcast on Fox. My man, my man Superbad, defended his title, hasn't fought since 2019. Um, we, man, you can't help, but he's gone through, lost his trainer, lost his dad during COVID stuff like this, but this guy's a warrior. What I love about him is he reps the city, the sports teams, the Michigan, Michigan state, everything like that. I'm excited to see what he's got to wear and, uh, best of luck because there's a true and blue Detroiter right there. So I want to make sure that, uh, we send him a shout out and good luck and, and stuff like that. But, uh, first of all, Sean, you got anything on the grill this weekend? 
Well, I hope you guys can still all make it over. We're we're planning to still have people over and all that stuff. So hope you guys can all can all make it. I got a 17-pound uh, beautiful prime brisket on the smoker right now. Uh, that'll be ready by tomorrow afternoon, uh, 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm putting uh, six beautiful uh, baby back rib slabs in. My boy Mike is putting in six beautiful St. Louis slabs in Ooh. at 6 o'clock in the morning. And in honor of you, Mac, we're putting in about uh, – Oh, about 30 pounds of wings uh, sometime in the early afternoon. And right. uh, we're just going to be hanging out, watching hockey all day. And if you guys want to pop in, pop in. You heard that, B? I'll be Aaron, there. You, you got that, that invitation? Yeah, we don't invite selfishes. Selfish, I don't know. <laughs> right down. I, it's that address in Wixom, right, Sean? Yeah, down at yeah. the corner. <laughs> with oh. that, that end, take the left down to the creek. Oh, he moved from St. Clair Shores. Okay, thanks. Yeah, I he appreciate moved from St. Clair yeah. Shores. <laughs> exactly. But that sounds like fun. Hopefully, uh, it's supposed to be a good day. Um, everything, stuff like that. Uh, Dorch, uh, RBC Heritage this week. Love it. Which is a great, um, which your wife, who yes. anybody doesn't know, the lovely Aaron is the uh, golf pro over at uh, it's Trey Golf Detroit Club. Yep. A golf club uh, where they play the Rocket Ball Mortgage because... Mortgage. You know, somebody has to have the golf game. Well, she played there, and uh, she actually, I saw a photo. Sean, have you seen? You'll have to get this photo to see, but uh, the tartan visors that were that Aaron and her uh, group have brought back. Have you ever seen a tartan visor from the RBC Heritage? It looks no, like uh -huh. you could land a plane on the bill. <laughs> it is the largest, biggest bill ever. Now, I bring up RBC Heritage because it's the week after the um, – after the Masters, congratulations, Zeki uh, Matsuyama. Absolutely. First Japanese player to win, which uh, endorsement-wise, they are speculating it could be billion dollars worth over in Japan. But uh, they wear, they give out, instead of the green jacket, they give out the tartan plaid jacket, the Heritage BC. Right now, man, Stuart Sink, yes, yeah, Stuart Sink, who's my age, um, is back-to-back uh, -back eight-unders. Um, I had Cameron Smith and Morikawa this week. They're nine under. They're uh, only seven back. Did you? Uh, who'd you uh, put any? Did you put any? Me? No, I I, I might put some money on Stuart Sink. Uh, and I, I I skipped this week just to kind of enjoy it and all that. I I got a little uh, bet happy last week with the uh, Masters betting on Happy Gilmore's caddy. So uh, it was uh, it was. This is a fun one though. I enjoy this one. I told you that before the show that usually after the Masters, the following week is a is a no show. It's not that enjoyable. But RBC with you know the 18th hole and the the, the light uh, the lighthouse and just a, it's a great tradition. It's fun. They do their own thing you know with that jacket and all that. So it's it's a fun one to watch. That's a, yeah. No, I enjoy it too. And uh, for all my NASCAR fans out there, uh, the Toyota Owners 400 from Richmond, Virginia this weekend. We got. Uh, I'm taking Kyle Busch, uh, Harvick, Blaney, and uh, William Byron. They're all between 1,000 plus 2,000, stuff like this. Did you guys see that the odds for the uh, over-unders came out? Um, the, Lions, the Lions in Houston, they have it five. you got to remember, it's a 17-game season, too. Sean, what do you think? Do you, do you think the Lions over-under five? Over five. Over yeah, five. with a 17-game season, over, over five. I six, scream six and 11 to me. Right. The the two that stood out to me, right, exactly, the, the three that stood out, the Lions, the Cincinnati Bengals, six and a half. Which way would you go? Under. Over. I'm over all day. Over all day. Over all day, B. I go okay, under. we'll see Joey about Joey B. I like it. But the, the one that I really like, the, the, the best bet on the board, 
I would say we're uh, Buffalo at ten and a half. I think they can be eleven and six. I, I say over, yeah. You I know, would say under. You'll say under on Buffalo. Don't disrespect my regret. boy Josh Allen. He doesn't like Diggs. He doesn't like. No, Allen. I love both. Oh of them. no, you I love don't. Josh don't Allen. disrespect Josh Allen. Allen. Wow, well, we got selfish and Mr. Disrespect. What's going on, Double B? <laughs> I, I, oh my God, Lions over though. I could see the Lions. You know, seven and ten. I could see it. I just enjoy disagreeing with Eric. That's, That's all it. it is. And That's you do all. A, such a heck of a job. Thank you. <laughs> well, that sounds like we're getting to wrap it up here, so I can't say enough. Thank you for joining us on the Enforcer Show on this uh, Friday night. For Double B, for Jabe running the ones and twos, Eric and Aaron Dorch, who are fully vaccinated. Congratulations. Oh, yeah. My boy, Sean Belizean again. Getting out there to the barbecue tomorrow. Eric, not you. You got to go to St. Clair Shores. Anyways, for Darren McCarty, thank you. Everybody be safe. Have a good weekend. We'll see you next Friday.